Watch Marry Me. You, I'll marry you. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, featuring their new song, On My Way by Jennifer Lopez. Marry Me, directed by Kat Koira, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Streaming now, only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. It's still real to me, damn it, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Snorilta Show, episode number 584 for April 22nd, 2021. This is your State of Professional Wrestling 2021 edition of SRTU. I'm one after the show, Jeff Peck, joined every single week with my co host, the one only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, we had to celebrate post WrestleMania. By taking a little bit of a break, my friend, let's talk about the state of professional wrestling. What do you say, pal? Sounds like a plan to me. So do I actually have to compare wrestling to individual states? Because I really got to figure out how to throw Nebraska into this. You know, I uh, I was going to do that, right? Because, like, what do you say about South Dakota, right? Like, does Shannon Baszler? Because she's from there? No, I was going to say South Dakota's Ring of Honor. Like, it's okay. there. It's a, it's a wrestling promotion. I don't think anybody's been there in the last twenty years. Wow, that's no, that's deep cut. What is MLW? Uh, MLW probably is Colorado. Okay, okay, always yeah. high, always high. I like it. I like it. WWE, New York, right? Uh, I would say Florida because it's kind of all over the place. Like in in Florida, you have like Jacksonville is very different from Miami, which is very different from Orlando and Tampa. And then, of course, those who are in Jacksonville, I mean, AEW feels like WCW. Do you move it up a state and go to Georgia? Yeah, you go to Georgia because you have one spot that's kind of central, and then everything else around the state is completely different. Like Atlanta right. is very, very Atlanta is very one way politically, and the rest of the state is very different. All right. Well, listen, we'll be back next week. Uh, if that yep. is this week's edition of Impact okay. Wrestling. Is it Canada? I know it's uh, not a state. Yeah, I, I would probably go a little bit Tennessee. Okay. Well, you you would know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, nat- like Impacts are kind of uh, – when you think of Tennessee, everybody goes, goes to Nashville. So Impact has the you know, the couple of guys they think about. But then Memphis is different from Knoxville. It's kind of all over the place. you got different vibes going on there. You get – Impact's got a little bit of everything, and I think uh, Tennessee has a little bit of everything for everybody. 
All right. Well, listen, uh, we'll recap and review w, uh, Impact Wrestling Rebellion on next week's show. And that'll do it. Until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff. No. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Trey, this is the state of professional wrestling, not states that are like professional wrestling. Oh, see, I was preparing the wrong way. I, w- I had my geography book out. I was like flashing back to ninth grade and everything else. I was all set to, to do states. I mean, I was good. So what happened sitting- is the notes I sent you, uh, rumor has it, Sammy drew all over them. That would explain why he's hiding in the closet right now as we record the show. Okay. Do you need a, do you need a pause? Do you, do you need to get your son out of there? No, no, no. He's just sitting in like I have an open closet, like a walk-in okay. closet. Just kind of sitting there on a pile of clothes, chilling in the corner, listening to us talk about the show. He All right. Well, keep me posted if he does a swanton off the top of the pile. Uh, now he's playing with some high heels, so maybe he's having Charlotte Flair flashbacks to the you know last week's show. <laughs> hey, it, that's this is your closet. Uh, no, no, no. Relax. Okay, thank God. All right, Dr. Trey, I figure we will look at WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, independent wrestling coming out of the pandemic as well, something that you can speak very, very well about. Um, So let's start with WWE here, kind of what the state of world wrestling entertainment is at this time. Here we are post-WrestleMania 37. Uh, There's reports out there that fans are going to be coming back soon, that there's going to be a big announcement. It's quite possible that announcement has already been released by the time the show airs. Uh, there was recent releases, Samoa Joe, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay. Like, why did that happen? Um, and then we'll look at, like, who WWE should be focusing on and who they should be building up, like like a Drew McIntyre or Bobby Lashley from the past year. But w- when you look at WWE heading into now post-WrestleMania 37 world, getting us to WrestleMania 38, um, what's the current state of WWE? Is it healthy right now? Are they in a good position? Are they in a better position than they were a year ago? Like what are your what's your overall vibe of World Wrestling Entertainment right now? I, I will up as way. I, I think they're in a better position now than they were a year ago because they've had to make a lot of adjustments and a lot of improvisation and think outside the box, as as evidenced by the Thunderdome. Like who would have thought uh, in our lifetime we would watch a wrestling show surrounded by television screens of of viewers watching at home? Like that was just kind of an outside the box thinking. And I think they you know once they came up with that thought process and put it into action it, it, it came out very well um from a talent standpoint i think they're as deep as they've ever been um the hard part about grading wwe post wrestlemania is we don't know where this where these brands are going we, you know, this is the reset time like this is usually when we start seeing new feuds kick off new rivalries kick off heel turns swerves everything else um but I think they had a very strong, you know, last few months of the pandemic leading into WrestleMania, you know, and coming out of it. So I, I think they're in, in pretty good shape. I feel like the direction of both the shows have gotten better. Um, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the new Raw announced team yet. And I'm still, as we record this, I have not heard, you know, if there's any adjustments to the SmackDown broadcast. Um, but, you know, going forward, I think they're in a, in a very solid spot. Um, you know, at the end of the day, WWE is always going to be the monster that keeps on churning things out. And I think that's just kind of where their head is. They keep bulldozing ahead and, you know, everybody else kind of has to circle their orbit. See, I felt like WWE is, is healthy right now from a product standpoint, from a content perspective, like it's enjoyable. The shows are enjoyable. Uh, raw, I, I will always say goes on. It's, it's needs to be back to two hours. Like the three hour stuff, it, it, it's rough, but if you're going to give me three hours, like build up some new stars, which I loved when Paul Heyman was the executive director and kind of what's gotten away from it um, over the past 
eight months when Bruce Pritchard started taking him back over again, and they went back to like what WWE commonly does. We have not seen increases in viewership or ratings. Um, I would like to see some new stars continue to be built up if there's a three-hour show. Uh, but, you know, you, you think they're healthy. You think they're in a good spot. And then they do another round of these post-WrestleMania budget cuts. Um, and that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Like a year ago, I was really pissed off about it because of everything that was going on with the pandemic. Uh, I, I do agree that WWE is definitely hoarding talent. And there's a lot of talent that were released that will be in better positions post-WWE career than they would be if they still stay with WWE. But it often just kind of like boggles your mind as to how they did not capitalize on on some of these people the Samoa Joes of the world most certainly like Samoa Joe should have been a WWE champion at some point and if you're going to release him like he couldn't have been used in NXT like I I thought he did a good job in commentating but I still wanted to see him wrestle uh, I know Dr. Trey mentioned on last week's show that maybe he couldn't get medically cleared we don't know if there was anything to do with that maybe they felt like his in-ring career was over uh, and he didn't we, we don't know the full story and we probably won't for the next 90 days but Peyton Royce was somebody that reportedly was looked at as as someone that was being completely underutilized by the company. And I could not agree more. Kalisto, like 205 Live, like they couldn't bring him back there to put on some really good matches or even NXT with Santos Escobar or Kushida. Um, you know, it's just disappointing that that WWE can't capitalize on the talent that they have on the roster while they do. Like we we don't expect them to keep everybody there forever, but – talented stars like nothing nothing is is able to work there whatsoever so that to me like coming out of wrestlemania it, it's still the business side of it where where you're where you're disappointed in in what's happened with the company um and and you wish that there was a better outcome that nobody lost their jobs or maybe their contracts just ran out rather than the way that they did it and it makes you wonder the overall health of the business as they head into potentially welcoming fans back soon which is desperately needed. Coming out of WrestleMania, it was nice to hear the roar of the crowd, uh, but then it was missed on Mondays and Fridays uh, of last week with Raw and SmackDown, and of course this past week as well. Um, what the interesting layer of this all, Doctor Trey, is I feel for like from a WWE perspective, you know they usually use this time to focus on building some stars up for a year from now. Uh, I think Bobby Lashley was a name that, that comes to mind from the past year to where he was. Uh, he lost to Alistair Black at WrestleMania 36. A year later, he's entering as WWE champion and leaves as a dominant WWE champion and has been such a great character to watch on television each week. You know, who are those people that they could be focusing on, like Bobby Lashley next? Is it is it Big E? Uh, is Big E next in line for someone to get the focus uh, moving forward? Is it Cesaro? Like... Who are some of these people that we think WWE should be focusing on the next year as they go from day one post-WrestleMania 37 to uh, day of WrestleMania 38? Yeah, you know, I think you mentioned two of the top guys right there. I mean, you, you got Big E and Cesaro. I mean, we've seen you know Shinsuke kind of get a little bit of a push back up. Um, you know, on the Raw, it's weird because there's certain guys that you know when we saw when Paul Heyman was in charge that were getting these pushes. And we haven't seen on TV in six months. You know, the Angel Garzas, the Alistair Blacks of the world. You know, young, talented guys that you know should be getting these opportunities. Um, I'm also kind of waiting to see, you know, who comes up from NXT to the main roster. Is is Roderick Strong one of those guys that they're going to put you know a little bit of into, or is he too small and they just want him to be another Drew Gulak? Um, you know, the the bottom of the card is kind of interesting to me on the Raw side. I mean, if you're going to build up some stars. It's Riddle and Keith Lee, and 
you know, I just worry that Keith Lee, I, I don't know what his issues have been over the last few months, if it's health-related, injury-related, or what. Uh, but those are two tremendously talented guys who can cut great promos. They, they basically do everything you want a WWC superstar to, to do. Uh, and then you still got, you know, Donovan Dijakovic as, as T-Bar. Like, that's a guy with a ton of potential, a big guy that can move and put together some good matches. We saw that in NXT. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole dynamic with, you know, Lashley, him, and, and Mace work out going forward as the new Hurt business. Um, and then, you know, everybody's little favorite little guy, Mustafa Ali. The guy can, can work great matches. We see him as a baby face. We see him as a heel. He's very compelling, great on a microphone. You know, that's another guy that you can kind of build up into that mid-card, borderline main event type guy if given the opportunity. So there, there's talent there to build around on top of the guys that you already have established. I mean, does Kevin Owens get a run? I mean, he's had two great WrestleMania performances. The crowd's really behind him. How far do you push him? Like, where do you go with Sami Zayn? Like, there's a lot of guys that you can make even bigger stars if you give them the ball. Uh, and if not, they may end up like your Samoa Joes and your Billy Cage and your Peyton Royces where they kind of fall by the wayside. Dr. Trey, you work for Vince McMahon. You are a creative writer on whatever brand you want to choose here, okay? And your goal for the next 365 days is to build someone up to be one of the faces of the company and potentially a world champion at WrestleMania 38. You take that booking pen, you take that booking pad of paper, who are you writing about, and who do you start building out for the next 12 months? Uh, I draft Keith Lee to SmackDown and build him up to be the guy that takes down Roman Reigns. Um, athletically, very comparable guy. We saw a glimpse of that you know, Survivor Series a couple years ago. Um, I start building SmackDown, my babyface division, around around uh, Keith Lee. And then physically, matches up perfectly with Roman. Promo-wise, he cuts a damn good promo, and I believe he's one of those guys that people would – get behind and follow. And if I was to flip it over to the raw side, you know, you got Lashley, you got McIntyre. Um, but I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I really enjoy Matt Riddle right now. And I, I think he's one of those guys that can be that Rob Van Dam character where he can be a main event guy and the fans will buy into it, given his you know, MMA UFC background and he can be your mid card top guy as well. So, you know, those two guys is, is who I'm kind of building you know, up heading into WrestleMania or, I move Big E back over to Raw, put him, you know, have him be the singles guy in the New Day, and I build up to a Big E Bobby Lashley match. So I think that would be a fantastic match. We saw, you know, the first time ever two, you know, African women uh, main events at WrestleMania for the wins title. I, I don't see why we can't do the same thing on Raw and do the, the first time two African American men fight for the world championship on the Raw brand at WrestleMania. Letter grade WWE from the past year, from WrestleMania 36 to now, how would you grade World Wrestling Entertainment as a whole? Uh, B plus. I, I think they did the best. Uh, like the the pandemic kind of got them off to a slow start because uh, I don't think they were prepared on how to handle a situation like that, which you know most companies weren't. Uh, I think over the course of time, kind of given what the other companies were doing, whether it was Impact or whether it was AEW. They adapted to try to put on a better product than those guys. Um, so I think they did a good job. I mean, there was some really great moments. I mean, watching a man get set on fire in a ring, Jeff, is pretty damn impressive. Uh, so they had some really great moments that we were like, wow, I've never saw that coming. Uh, you know, the Edge-Randy Orton feud was fantastic. Uh, getting a Kevin Owens-Sami Zayn WrestleMania match is fantastic. Cesaro getting a WrestleMania moment, fantastic. You know, but there were some, some pretty big lows during that time as well. 
Uh, but overall, given the situation, I, I give him a solid B+. All right, let's head over to All Elite Wrestling and AEW, owned by Tony Khan. The Elite, obviously, being the EVPs. Uh, much uh, talked about uh, organization here, Dr. Trey. The first standalone night on Wednesdays, they had over 1.22 million viewers. Uh, their second highest rating since their debut back in August 2019, which is great. Very enjoyable show. Uh, we named them Promotion of the Year last year, both individually when we did our award show. Uh, but they're a little under a little bit of scrutiny right now. The, people are saying there's too many factions. Some people are down on the Bullet Club reunion with Omega Bucks, Gallus, and Anderson. Where do you stand right now with, with all elite wrestling? What, what do you think their current state is right now? Um, as we uh, we look at wrestling here moving forward for the next 365 days, see it's funny because you know AEW. I, 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 at one point, even I had that same thought process. Like, there's probably too many factions, but if you look at the background of where these guys come from, and you look at the New Japan wrestling, and you just think of all the different factions in New Japan and how everybody's affiliated with you know one faction or another. It seems whether it's you know the Bullet Club or um, you know, uh, Los Ingornables, the, the, those guys, they're like, uh, you know, everybody's affiliated with the faction. Um, and that's their background. And it makes sense because wrestling is a representation of real life. And in real life, if you go to school, you know, there are cliques in every walk of life, whether it's, you know, high school or college or in the workplace, everybody has those little cliques. And I think that's what AEW is trying to represent here, that everybody has their own little group that they feel tight with, that they're going to stick together with. And it makes sense. Like one of my big complaints about wrestling has always been there's a baby face getting beat up by four guys and nobody comes out to help the baby face. Well, if you're a baby face, obviously you're a nice person. You should have at least one friend come out to side with you. And I think that's what AEW is looking at. Like it makes sense in how they're putting this together based on real life. Um, at times it's a little convoluted. They have a lot of talent for two shows or for one main show, but Hey, they were smart. They're like, Hey, we got a lot of talent. So let's, create a, a YouTube show. Okay, we still have a bunch of talent. Let's create a second YouTube show. I think they've been very smart in adapting to the environment they've been given and the roster they have and in finding different avenues to showcase all this talent they have. Yeah, you know, I uh, you know, that's a big discussion right now, the whole faction stuff. And I saw an interview with both the Young Bucks, I forget who it was with, but Matt Jackson said that that's like an easy way to get everybody featured is having them in factions. And he's right. I mean, Powerhouse Ob's would not be featured on AEW Dynamite if it wasn't for Team Taz. Ricky Starks wouldn't. Um, Sean Spears was was not would not and was not would be featured on AEW Dynamite if it wasn't for the Pinnacle. Where would Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara be right now? Um, it's very New Japan esque, as Doctor Trey pointed out. Uh, do I like it? Yes, because it's getting a lot more folks being featured, but it can be too much. Um, you know what I'd, I'd really like to see them do, Dr. Trey, is is have like this like faction war, like a tournament or battle royal or something that gets each one of these factions so that there's some sort of supreme faction. We've got this Bullet Club reunion, the Elite, Omega, Gallus, Anderson, the Young Bucks. Uh, we've got Inner Circle, Pinnacle, Dark Order, Team Taz, Best Friends. Is there anybody else I'm missing so far here? Oh, Nightmare Factory. Uh, well, yeah, the Nightmare Night- Family. The Factory. Yeah. QT Marshall. Anybody else I'm missing here? Uh, 
the Matt Hardy brand. Hardy Family Office. Hardy Family Office. It's um, nine. Let's see, nine. Death Triangle. Do you include Death, them? Yeah, Death Triangle. That's, that's ten. That's, yeah. Um, who are we forgetting? Are we forgetting anybody? Do we have any? Uh, see, well, I mean, does does Vicky Guerrero's little click count as a female click? And who, who's in that besides Nyla Rose? Is there uh, others? Oh, who's the uh, – well, I mean, she's been affiliated with Jade Cargill. I just don't know if Jade's with her or not. I know, anyway. Um, See, I think that's – I mean, that's 10. That's a lot. Is Dar- Darby and Sting a faction? I think if Lance Archer joins in, but I don't think that's a direction of where this is going. Yeah. I don't – because then, like, you have Sting and Jake Roberts be two guys on the outside. Yeah, that's, that's – that'd be a little – I don't – I mean, there's, there's a lot – I mean, I mean, we've seen Top Flight and the Hollywood – or the varsity blondes team up as well. I mean, I, I just, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, we, we had what, nine, 10, we had named so. 10, we named 10 yeah. factions. I would say this, yeah, there's, there's this event that happens in November. I think it's called survivor series. And it used to be mm. based on these big, like multi-man tag team matches matches. I, I know it's kind of a foreign concept to some of our younger listeners, but you know, if AEW did a thing like this, uh, you know, or a a show about bragging rights, perhaps, um, it would make a lot of sense given the sheer number of factions. We you can literally do a five match, you know, Survivor Series with all these factions and still have people left over to fill out the rest of the card. That's do, crazy thing. do you agree with Matt Jackson's theory that the factions have helped other people get booked? I mean, I, I, I can totally see that. I'm trying to, like, rack my brain on who this has hurt. And I don't think it's hurt anybody. I think it's helped everybody who's on one of these factions. Like, would John Silver be as popular as he was if it wasn't for BTE and being in the Dark Order? I don't think so. No, I mean, and then you have a guy like Matt Hardy doing the talking for, you know, Private Party and Butcher the Blight. You know, which helps those guys out because they're getting the rub from a great promo guy like Matt Hardy. So I don't think it's hurt anybody. But then again, the criticism could then be flipped around. Has it really helped elevate anybody up above maybe what we thought their position should be? He's John Silver. Yeah, he had a TNT title match. But outside of that, like, has it really shot anybody into superstardom? Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, J- Jurassic Express, would that be another one? Yeah, and, and then, I mean, SCU was one. But I guess yeah. it's not anymore. It's now just a tag team. Yeah, yeah. And I guess so, Scorpio Skies with Ethan Page. Um, your question was, was what again? Has it has it helped has anyone? It, has it elevated anybody into superstar status? Like, like you can see, you know, John Silver gets elevated a little bit. And you can see guys make small climbs up. But, I think I think it'll eventually elevate MJF to being a major superstar, but I always I felt like he was always on that trajectory. Yeah, I don't, I, like, I don't think he needed Pinnacle to be on that level. I think him and, and Wardlow were just fine the way they were and could have reached that. But you know, like I don't know if any babyface, like obviously if you're trying to build one side, if you're trying to make MJF a, a mega heel, you need a you know a mega babyface. I don't think it's really elevated anybody else up higher than their initial standing since this this whole thing started do you think orange cassidy was helped by best friends i think orange cassidy was actually hurt by best friends if that makes sense okay i think you know i think his feud i think when he was working by himself uh 
as a standalone, it made him look like an underdog. And now that he has friends around, like now with you know, when he he's surrounded by friends, he's not as much of an underdog unless it's just in a physically imposing, different style of match. What about um, Anthony Gogo and QT Marshall's The Factory? The guy's had two matches. I don't even know who the hell he is. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Olympic boxer from London. Great. Uh, he, he won a match with a body blow, didn't he? Yeah, he did. It was yeah. riveting. That, that's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so over And I guess a guy that I've never heard of as well. And I and I follow him. And here's the crazy thing. Jeff, I know pro, I either know or met 70% of the independent guys on Dark or Elevation. I had no idea who that Anthony Gogo guy was fighting. That just tells you something. So it doesn't seem like it seems like that you do think there's too many factions, right? Uh, I just I don't think it's too many. Like I agree with the, with the young bucks. Like it does get everybody featured, but at the same time, I don't think it's helping elevate anybody because you don't. the The great thing about factions, and, and I go back to Kevin Nash. The idea behind the NWO was to build this faction and build babyface off of it. Same with the Horsemen. Same with even you know uh, Evolution. You know, Evolution spun two top baby faces out of it. The NWO elevated Lex Luger to main event status, Bill Goldberg to main event status, Diamond Dallas Page to main event status. The difference was that those guys were all fighting by themselves. They didn't have help. Um, that's the downside to having a faction war is nobody's an underdog. Nobody's outmanned. Nobody's outgunned. There's no reason for me to cheer for a baby face when he's got four friends with him. Because he's not an underdog. It, it basically comes down to watching, you know, Lakers, you know, Lakers in the, in the nets in the, in the finals. It's, it's two strong teams going at it, but it's, you don't really get strong, uh, you know, affiliate, uh, strong emotions going one way or the other, unless you're already a diehard fan of one team or the other. The casual fan doesn't care less because there's no rooting interest because, oh, those guys are a star team. That's a star team. Who's the underdog? I think that's the problem you get with it with the faction warfare. I think it's great for getting people recognized on TV, but I don't think you're elevating anybody. So that asks, this brings up a good question, Dr. Trey, because it, it felt like a foregone conclusion here at some point in AEW is that uh, we'd see some sort of like Bullet Club-esque in AEW with Omega, Bucks, Cody, Hangman. Cody and Hangman aren't part of it. Omega, Bucks, they've gone heel. Gallus and Anderson are now, even though they're signed with Impact Wrestling, they're kind of part of the stable as well where we get this uh, Bullet Club-esque reunion. Are you down with what's going on right now with Kenny and the Bucks going heel um, and and going back to like what made them popular in the mid-2010s? Uh, I mean, they're trying to bring what they did to the American audience. And, and I think what they're banking on is that, you know, a lot of casual fans in the U.S. did not really know what was going on in the Bullet Club. We heard about it. We saw the T-shirt. That stuff looked cool, and and those were the kind of the cool kids. It's it's, you know, it was reminiscent of you know DX and the end of Yoda's day. It was the cool heel click. Um, I think they're hoping to capitalize on that. But once again, like, what are who's going to be your breakout? Who's who's going to stand up above everybody else? I mean, to me, Hangman Page is the entity that's floating around that can really break out because although he's friends with the Dark Order, he's not in the Dark Order and. You know, Hangman against the Bullet Club would make Hangman a bigger star if that's the route they go. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with him trying to bank on past success. We've seen it be successful with WWE and, you know, other other brands as well, whether it was you know, TNA back in the day with, you know, Jarrett reforming kind of the NWO and TNA at times. Um, I'm fine with it for now, but you 
just have to have a plan to make somebody break out and be a bigger star coming out. Maybe they're, they're thinking that they're going to make Moxley and, and John against the elite will make him a bigger star. I'm, I'm not quite sure what, I mean, to me, that's the payoff. You have to make a big baby face star for the casual fans to jump around and, and be a fan of, whether it's like stone cold against Vince, you know, or, or the rock against the, the corporation at times like that. You just need to spin off a big baby face out of all these factions. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting trend right now in, in AEW. Uh, all right, Dr. Trey, same question here for you from before. Uh, Tony Khan comes to you, uh, makes you the head of creative, says, I need you to build a star up the next 365 days to become the face of AEW. Who do you do and why? I'm taking the easy way out, which is uh, I'm taking Hangman Page to feud against the entire elite. I think they have a lot of history together. Uh, Hangman's not in a click. He's friends with a click, but not in the click. But seeing Hangman have to kind of go through, you know, Gallows, then through Anderson, you know, work his way up through there to finally get to Kenny Omega for that big payoff match, I think it would be fantastic. I think Hangman's got the personality. We've seen it develop over his time in AEW. Um, you know, in the early stages, I thought he was kind of bland, but, you know, you get the, the, the you know, him doing the cowboy shit and the drinking and, you know, driving the lawnmower and all that stuff. I think that's the kind of blue collar guy that fans can kind of get behind. He can do all the moves. His promos have gotten better. He's, he's the kind of guy that you can really build this franchise around. And he's young enough to carry the load for a while as well. Yeah, I feel like uh, that's a direction they may be going right now with Kenny Omega and him. I think that could be the uh, the long play here. I would. You know, I, I think if you pick Hangman and Page or MJF right now, I think those are easy picks, Dr. Trey. And I think those are the most sound picks when you look at the way AWs really channel things right now. I guess if there's like this one that would take a little bit of work over the next 365 days, I guess I would go with Jungle Boy. Yeah, I think Jungle Boy's kind of a multi-year play. Um, he's, he's on the small side. And, and, you know, seeing a small guy go up against a kind of a, an entire faction and take the abuse and keep coming back for more – is a great way to build somebody up, but I don't think he has the established credibility to build it up over a year. Like I think he's a two to three year build. Yeah. yeah that's going to definitely take some time there with him. Uh, for sure. Darby Allen, would that be an easy pick or a hard one? I mean, Darby's Darby's your Jeff Hardy. So you think back to Jeff Hardy's running in, in WWE. I mean, he's an undersized guy. Uh, that does a lot of crazy, that does a lot of crazy moves. Um, so far physically he's held up, but how does that run out if you're featuring him every single week to build him up? Um, but I think he's another one of those guys that you could do it with. The great thing about AEW is also kind of their downfall. There's not a lot of huge guys in AEW. So a guy like Darby can run through an entire faction because they don't have that monster that he has to run through as well. Um, I mean, when Jake Hager and Wardlow are your monsters, when you look in comparison to what WWE has, they're undersized. Uh, but compared to a guy like Darby or a guy like Orange Cassidy, you know, it, it's presentable at least and not outside of the realm of, you know, plausibility to watch him go at it. Um, but yeah, Darby's one of those guys. Darby just has to get better on his promos. His vignettes are great, but I just don't know if he has the, the mic ability yet to really carry a show. All right. And then let's give a letter grade here for the past year, Dr. Trey. How would you give a letter grade to AEW? Uh, I would say A minus. I think it's been at times the the bookings kind of all over the place. I think they do some things just kind of for shock value, but they were ahead of the curve on everything in the pandemic. Whether it was how to shoot the show, how to present the show, 
how to to book the shows. I think they were ahead of the curve. I think they've had a very strong roster. We haven't seen a rash of injuries, so their methodology of how they run their shows makes a lot of sense. Um, and and they're not afraid to pull the trigger and bring in some big names. I mean, we've seen more pop-up special appearances by celebrities uh, and, and guys that have been kind of, you know, maybe put out the pasture a little too early than I, I could have expected. I, I, I never thought you'd get Paul White in AEW. I never thought we'd see Mike Tyson in AEW. You know, I never thought we'd see Shaquille O'Neal wrestle a match in AEW all in the last year. Um, pretty impressive when you put it all together. I think the only thing that's ever that slowed them down at times is just, you know, their booking kind of is a little all over the place. Um, but then they kind of circle back and try to make it make sense. All right, Dr. Trey, let's move over to Impact Wrestling here. Uh, the current state of Impact Wrestling, obviously the AEW partnership plays a big uh, part in this right now. Has that AEW partnership helped out at all? We have uh, Rebellion this Sunday. Uh, with Rich Swan taking on Kenny Omega, Rich Swan and Eddie Edwards and Willie Mack recently defeated Kenny Omega, Gallus and Anderson in a trios match, which I th- thought was desperately needed for their feud. Uh, what's the state of Impact Wrestling right now in your mind? Uh, do you think the AEW partnership has helped at all? Um, you know, right now, I, I, to me, Impact is another is one of those companies. We we go back to you know our our yearly preview predictions. I think they're kind of in a state of flux. I mean, we let. You're right now, you're like we just lost, you know, the Rascals, and now they're the NXT Tag Team Champions. Ethan Page left. Now he's being featured in AEW on, you know, AEW Dark and a little bit on Dynamite. They've lost some talent, and they haven't really built up anybody to take those spots yet. Um, the AEW partnership at times is good, but to me, I feel like they're giving more to AEW than AEW is giving them. Like we see the AEW guys pop up on impact but we're not seeing rich swan pop up you know on aew we're not seeing william mack pop up or Eddie. like we're not seeing that crossover go the other way um so i think you know it maybe has helped elevate them in the eyes of some fans who don't who've never watched impact but i don't think it's making their talent look any better going forward so um i, I to me they need to find some new guys to kind of have some breakout stars i don't think anybody's separated themselves from the rest of the pack over the last year. I think they're still kind of even flow, I guess, from where they were at last year uh, with less comedy, which is sad. Do you miss pre-Impact Wrestling AEW partnership, or do you like the current AEW partnership with Impact Wrestling more? Um, that's a tough one because I, I, I see both sides of it. I'm going to say I, I like the post AEW partnership just because it gives them a little bit of star power that they may not have had prior to the partnership. Uh, like I said, nobody's really separated themselves and broken out as a, as a huge star. I mean, maybe Ace Austin is the closest thing to a breakout star over the last year, but everybody else is still kind of in the same spot they were a year ago. Um, at least the AEW partnership is putting some eyes on the product, but maybe not nearly what impact thought they were going to get from this partnership. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's been a little bit disappointing. Like I loved impact wrestling from mid July to the end of the year, like right around the time with AEW, And I was super stoked and excited to see where things were going. And I don't know, as a, as a guy that was watching impact wrestling pretty regularly, I think I'm getting to the point. I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I could remove impact wrestling from my wrestling viewership right now. Yeah. I mean, to me, Really, since right before the Rascals left, it was very, it was kind of peaking. And I think the last 
three months, four months has just been very, very flat. Like there's been, I mean, Wrestle House was fun. You know, some of those, you know, the videos they were doing before that stuff was fun, but really the last three to four months, it's just felt, felt, felt very, very flat. I think it feels like they booked this banking on the crossover being a huge success. And since it's been an okay deal, I think they're kind of lost as to where they want to go. Now, things may change. We're recording this before uh, the Wednesday, April 21st edition of AW Dynamite. And they haven't mentioned at all that Kenny Omega is taking on Rich Swan at Rebellion for the Impact World Championship. Uh, I fully expect Kenny to win that match. But outside of Gallus and Anderson coming onto AW Television with the Impact World Tag Team titles, there's been very little like cross promotion that puts over Impact Wrestling. Like they were running those vignettes on AEW that were putting over Dynamite, but you're not seeing it pan out in the same way. Not even like a 30 second spot to go like subscribe to Impact Plus or to buy Impact Wrestling Rebellion. Like I, I don't know how this is all working out for Impact Wrestling other than the fact that they have Kenny Omega on their programming will more than likely become their world champion in in just days time. Yeah, it's it, it. I don't know if I don't know if there's a deal in place. To me, it feels like Impact is buying. I mean, it should be AEW's buying Impact. I don't know if you get that vibe at times, but it just feels like AEW is almost like a farm team now. I mean, it should be uh, Impact's a farm team for AEW. It just feels like hey, if something gets hot, we might feature them, but. It just it feels so one sided in this partnership that I I still have, I'm having a hard time seeing what the upside is for Impact because now if the AEW champion wins your title, it's just another knock against Impact because this is the same thing Impact's had the problem with for years. You bring in a new like an ex WWE guy immediately he's the world champion and then your Impact guy is trying to get the belt back. It kind of feels like the same thing just on a different level with it being AEW. And then, you know, if Kenny beats Rich Swan, who have you elevated? Who have you made better out of this partnership? Because your champion just got beat by their champion. So obviously your brand's not as good as theirs. Uh, this is just coming through right now. So this will kind of tip the tip the hat of when we're recording this podcast. But there is word out there, Dr. Trey, that Marlo Wernala will be calling the Rich Swan-Kenny Omega match at Rebellion on April 25th. Mamma mia. That's fantastic. I, I love that. Um, I mean, the one thing about AEW and Impact is the schedule is not nearly as stressful as WWE. Uh, so if Morrow can get back into the wrestling game with that, I, I am all for it. I love Morrow Ronaldo. I think he's a fantastic uh, play-by-play guy. Yeah, that that'll be pretty big. Um, see where that partnership's going right now. So yeah. Um, that's Impact Wrestling, Dr. Trey. You, you know, you got the booking. Uh, Scott Demore, Don Cows come to you. Who who are you booking over the next 365 days to become a top star in Impact Wrestling? Um, given the roster right now, I, I would probably go with Trey Miguel. I think Trey Miguel physically uh, can match up. I mean, he may not have the the he he, he may not have the strength of a Kenny Omega. Um. But I think athletically he matches up very well. Uh, physically, I think you know he can put on a little bit of muscle, kind of like the Will Osprey approach. Will Osprey very undersized for a long time, put on some muscle, to, and, and now you see where he's at in New Japan. Um, but I think he's got the personality where he can be the really fun-loving baby face, or he can be the very serious baby face. Um, in ring work is phenomenal. He does good promos. 
I, I think if I'm building this show up, I, you know, coming out of, you know, potentially Kenny Omega beating Rich Swan, you know, Trey Miguel's a guy that I would love to see in the ring with Kenny Omega. And I think they could put on a hell of a match and you can build a brand around a guy like Trey Miguel. Do you think Trey Miguel made a mistake not going to NXT with uh, Desert Wentz? I'm never going to criticize that. I, I, I kind of know a little bit of stuff about why he didn't make the jump. Um, and I can't fault the guy for, for his choice in that because it, it's a comfort, it's a comfort or comfortability level. You know, impact's got a very easy or very lighter, easier schedule to handle than WWE. And, and given the stuff, the circumstances surrounding Trey Miguel, I can't fault him for that. And, and really right now at the size he is, he would probably kind of get lumped into the 205 cruiserweight division, which could be great, but we really haven't seen anybody break out of that division once they're in it and become a bigger star. Um, you know, so to me, I, I think he did, I think he made the smart short-term choice. Um, and maybe that choice will change, you know, looking down the road and, and looking for a long-term future. I mean, the guy's only 25 years old, 24 years old. He still has time to make that choice. All right. Grade impact wrestling for the past year so far, Dr. Trey. Uh, C plus. I, I thought they, you know, did a good job early on in the year. You go into the, the, the pandemic era. I think they, they made some adjustments. They had some really great fun times, uh, some great action, you know, going back to I mean, hell, they had Johnny Swinger and Mike Jackson in the match. Johnny Swinger has been one of the most entertaining people to watch on television over the past year. I think he's very underrated in, in his role at impact. But like I said, the last you know few months, it feels kind of flat and, they are the one brand that is sorely lacking an audience response. You know, at least, you know, W had the Thunderdome impact and, or excuse me, AEW at least had their guys surrounding the ring to give a little bit of a feedback to the matches. These empty arena stuff with nothing in the background does take away from the performances. You don't get any kind of reaction. So as an audience member, you're like, you're kind of left listening in the wind trying to figure out where you want to go with it. So I, I give them a C plus. I, I don't think it was, a horrible year is slightly above average. All right, Dr. Trey. Then lastly here, independent wrestling. You're uh, you're the guy that knows this really well. You, you're you on the independent wrestling scene in the Rocket City Championship Wrestling in Alabama. Uh, we're still coming out of the pandemic. We've talked about this in the last couple months. Coming out of the pandemic, things are looking better right now. Thankfully, here in the month of April, we hope that continues forward into May, June, July, and onwards, obviously. Um, how what's the, what's the pulse right now of independent wrestling coming out of the pandemic? Are you... Are you seeing light at the end of the tunnel? Are you seeing locker rooms get a little bit more rejuvenated, crowds rejuvenated? What's the overall feel from what you're seeing uh, at your scale and level in the independent wrestling scene? I, I think it's it's the lights at the end of the tunnel. Like uh, independent wrestling just had a really big weekend down in Florida for WrestleMania weekend. I mean, there was I know guys that wrestled seven times in three days down there, so that's that's a good sign. It's just you know we're still waiting for the rest of the country opened up like California wrestling still shut down. Most of the wrestling in New York and New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, in Ohio is still shut down. And those are some really big hotbeds of professional wrestling. But, um, in the South, you know, there's, there's some really great shows running in Georgia, uh, some great shows running in Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, the Carolinas, like those areas are really kind of carrying independent wrestling right now. And those guys are getting featured on a bigger stage. Um, the, the only downside is, is I don't know who the next breakout star is because most of the top indie guys have already been signed to, you know, AEW or WWE and they're listing in the air. They're down there. They're minor leagues right now uh, waiting for their moments to break out. Um, I think ring of honor actually has some great talent in there. You know, 
was it uh world of honor wrestling with honor whatever their little their little sub minor league category is there's some great talent there as well it's just waiting for that next big indie star to kind of break out and, and kind of carry independent wrestling the other fascinating thing about independent wrestling is it's gotten very niche like there are some really crazy shows out there that are just over the top fun shows and then there's those shows that are just super technical and super high flying and then you still have all you know you still have your shows that feature hardcore deathmatch wrestling it's, it's and then you have your traditional shows like rocket city and, and some other ones uh southern honor wrestling in atlanta which is uh run by uh sunny days who we've seen in aew uh is a fantastic show I mean, there's there's some really great shows out there and it's just waiting for the rest of the country to catch up right now what is the vibe from the independent wrestlers dr trey are they has this been really tough on them and the promoters from what you're seeing right now oh the pandemic's been really hard because for the most part for the majority of the pandemic almost all the wrestling shows were shut down there were just a handful of shows running here and there uh, and if they were running, you had to follow CDC guidelines and social distance, and then your fans are wearing masks. Uh, wrestlers have to constantly get COVID tests. I think I'm up to four COVID tests I've taken now. Um, and that's just for wrestling know, shows? Just for wrestling, yeah. Wow. Um, that's like kind of the one I had to have my heart procedure done a few weeks back. So I'm actually at the five uh, in the last year. Uh, I know wrestlers that, you know, they wrestle certain shows, and they have to get COVID tested before every show, which – you know, if most independent wrestlers don't have, if they have a really good, if they have a regular job on the side, they might have health insurance, but a lot of wrestlers don't have health insurance. So every time you take a COVID test, you're coming out a hundred, 150 bucks a pop on COVID tests. Uh, and if you're working just independent wrestling shows, getting paid 50 bucks a show, I mean, that's a big chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of wrestlers have just been kind of treading water, uh, focusing on merchandise sales and, and other avenues to make money just to survive this. So, it's been really hard on the on those guys and in a lot of the promoters as well. Like a lot of promoters focus on just independent wrestling. There, you know, some promoters have outside business that's kept them afloat, but for the most part, a lot of these guys just focus on their wrestling business. I know, like IWA Mid South, uh, you know, uh, Ian Rotten up there, like he he focuses on IWA Mid South. That's his income, and so when they're not making money, he's not making money. Uh, so it's it's been really hard on the independent community to survive this, much like service industries and, and other avenues of American society where, you know, when, when businesses shut down and people don't go out and people can't go to, to live shows like music and stuff like that, it's, it's just hard on everybody involved. All right, Dr. Trey, last thing I want to bring up here. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about during the WrestleMania show and you just alluded to it. Uh, for the listeners out there, uh, we did mention on our Twitter feed uh, your heart procedure that you had a couple weeks ago. Uh, tell the fans, tell the listeners how you're doing. Give them a little peace of mind. Uh, you are a working man because, as I was talking to you before this week's edition of the show, uh, you were coming home from work. So you're a man that gets right back to it after having a heart procedure. Uh, any messages and, and things you'd like to update our great listeners for in regards to uh, your bill of health now after a couple weeks removed? Yeah, so supposedly I have a heart. So that was All the first right. thing. I was, I was really happy to hear that. Um, had had a heart catheterization done on uh, May or it should be April sixth, and I was back at work two days later because uh, my lovely company told me that if I missed three days of work, that I actually have to get a doctor's note to come back to work. Oh, okay. Uh, so hmm. I was like, okay, thanks, no problem. I'll I'll be back at work. But, this is a selfie uh, in the hospital bed after the heart procedure. 
Oh, I, and, and I literally had my wife took my phone from me because I was still answering customer calls oh, uh, while in the hospital bed. Dr. Trey. That's what I do. Um, but overall, doctor said that my heart was, was strong, uh, had a little bit of blockage in a couple of arteries, but nothing major. Uh, two of my four arteries were perfectly clear, so I was happy to hear that. Uh, no arrhythmias, no valve issues, nothing like that. Uh, so overall, uh, the doctor tends to think that most of my uh, chest discomfort is probably anxiety-driven. So that's where I'm going next is I'm getting set up to get some uh, anxiety testing done to go from there. So uh, I appreciate all the well wishes. I appreciate everybody's love and support. Uh, but apparently I'm not going anywhere yet. So I still got a few more years left on this old ticker. All right, Dr. Trey, that's good to hear. I know I'm happy to see you back here doing the uh, show last week and this week as well. Um, and there we go. I mean, that's that's kind of the state of professional wrestling. Do you do you think we, we hit it on the head here, Dr. Trey? I think wrestling's healthy, and I think we should be very optimistic coming out of the pandemic right now that uh, wrestling will get better. I mean, all things considered, for the past year since the pandemic started, I thought wrestling did a good job giving us good entertainment and uh, props to all the wrestlers and executives and creative writers for for keeping the train going and uh for the most part it didn't feel like they missed a step and hopefully we're getting back to a little bit more normal here in the coming months uh in the united states yeah and i think one of the big takeaways from this whole thing is you know wrestling and their fans not taking each other for granted anymore and who knows how long this will last but we saw it at wrestlemania uh we've seen it on the independence you know just that outpouring of love and support from the fans towards the wrestlers and the wrestlers back towards the fans. I mean, we we live in a society that tends to live on the jaded boundaries all the time, and people want to troll, and people want to get reactions. But I think at the end of the day, uh, with all this that's gone on, we just look at it like, this is something we all love. Whether you're a worker or whether you're a fan, it's something you love, so just don't take it for granted because you know, God knows how, how much of a struggle it's been when it gets taken away from you. Uh, that is very, very true. Uh, good way to wrap it up here, Dr. Trey, in the state of professional wrestling. Uh, we'll be back with it on next week's show with a regular, normal show. We'll look at rebellion and everything more that is going on in the world of professional wrestling as we close out the month of April here in 2021. Uh, with that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. Uh, you could download this show every Thursday at thebowershow.com. WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Still Realto Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket State Championship Wrestling. We just had a really big show this past Saturday uh, as we are getting closer and closer to Rocket City Championship Wrestling Con 4 coming up May 15th from lovely uh, Hazel Green, Alabama on the outskirts of Huntsville. Um, if anybody's interested, I can also post the link to our ticket page. If anybody's going to be in the Huntsville area, they can come out and check it out. And then also keep it out on our Facebook page. Jeff will tell you where it's at. Uh, we've been able to post some uh, Rocket City shows. So we're going to keep posting uh, Rocket City shows for fans that are interested. They can check it out on our Facebook page. Yeah, I saw that. So uh, check it out. Facebook.com slash the Toronto Show. And Dr. Troy, please tweet those out as well. And we'll uh, put it out there on the SRTU podcast Twitter feed. I'll put it on my SRTU Jeff Twitter feed. 
put on WrestleChat.net and a whole lot more. So we get some more eyes over at Rocket City Championship Wrestling. So um, go out there, support all the great things that support SRTU. And uh, tell your friends who are wrestling fans to download this very lovely wrestling podcast. Uh, We're coming out of WrestleMania 37. It's been a wild time uh, for professional wrestling. There's a lot of optimism, a lot of hope. So it's a good time here in the world right now. And hopefully it continues to move forward uh, coming out of WrestleMania 37, coming out of the state of professional wrestling. As, uh, As we get closer now, we'll be 585 episode next week. We're 15 away from 600. So we've been doing this thing for a long time. And uh, it's been uh, it's been a wild ride this past year, and uh, it's good looking at the state of everything that's in its current form in the world of professional wrestling. So, until next week when we uh, recap Rebellion, probably have a new Impact Wrestling World Champion, and a whole lot more for Dr. Trey Franklin. I'm Jeff Pack. This is the Star Wars Show. season streaming now let's do this baby only on peacock whatever you're funny peacock's got it exclusively stream classic sitcoms like the office parks and recreation and two and a half men plus catch peacock original comedies like ap bio and say by the bell for all your exclusive comedy phase go to peacock and get started